0: of ephesians paul is talking about the wonderful life of being a child of god and he's just he's just talking about this is a great life being a christian and then he puts this little little addition on the end we call it an asterisk at the end where he says oh yeah and by the way all those good things the devil wants to stop them but i've given you all you need to make sure you can live them and that's what this last part is the armor of god it's saying god has given us all we need to be able to live the life of victory that he has for us and so we're going to be looking in a little while at one of those as we, as we go on, chapter Ephesians 6.16, the shield of faith. But before we get to the shield of faith, let me start by telling you a story, a real story. Hopefully all my stories are real, not made up. I try not to embellish or exaggerate. Um, so when I was in my early 20s, and Leah, you've got to pay attention to this. You can tell your dad he made, he made a sermon today. Um, I was in my early 20s, and I was not raised a Christian, was not raised, we went to church twice a year kind of a deal. And I had I had come to know Christ as my Savior in my early 20s. And, um, you know, I learned that there was a difference between just going to church the couple times a year we did and a real genuine living relationship with Jesus that went beyond just churchy religiosity. And that, there's, that you could really experience God through His Son Jesus in your in your life. And I jumped all in with it. You know, it really, it transformed me. And so I just was fully engaged. I read my Bible, you know, every day. As a matter of fact, I was. I took my TV and I threw it away. Um, read my Bible every single day. I went to church every time the doors were open. I told everyone who would listen, and I could say now, kind of a little uh, with my head down, and people who didn't want to listen um, about Jesus that I found out that doesn't work. But I told everybody about Jesus, and back then they had a term for people like me. They'd call you a Jesus freak. And so that would, be, that would have been a good description of what I was like in my 20s. I was a, a Jesus freak. And at that time, um, I was living in an apartment with a guy named Gary. And Gary is Leah Ott's dad. And we were roommates back 100 years ago. We were in each other's weddings and stuff. And so I was living with Gary, who was also really new to Christianity. And um, we, worked, we both worked on odd shifts. And we both worked till late at night, but he worked like the middle of the night. And, and so one night, um, like normal, I came home to our two-bedroom apartment in West Bend and um, did whatever I had to do and went to bed. I went to sleep, average night, nothing unusual. Gary wasn't home because he worked at B.C. Ziegler, and he came home in the middle of the night, like two or three in the morning. Well, sometime in the middle of that night, and what I'm going to describe to you, some of you, have, as I've talked to people over the years, other people have told me they've had similar experiences to what I'm going to describe. Somewhere in the middle of the night, I woke up in a state of absolute fear. I mean, literally the worst fear you could ever, I had ever experienced in my life. Um, I experienced the most real sense of evil that I had ever experienced in my life, and I literally knew somehow that evil was in, it was in my apartment. It was in my room. And I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but I was in bed, I woke up, and I'm, I'm telling you the truth, I couldn't hardly breathe. I mean, I could barely get a breath of air. It felt like somebody was sitting on my chest. I was in bed paralyzed. I literally couldn't move. I couldn't hardly, I couldn't speak. I'm just laying there petrified in fear, and I knew this presence was in my room with me. And I'm, I'm a pretty new believer. I'm literally trying to figure out, am I dreaming? you ever where you think you're dreaming? You're like, am I really dreaming here or not? I'm literally saying, am I dreaming? What's going on? And I realized I'm not dreaming. And I managed in that state of, of total fear, literally I felt paralyzed, that all I could manage to do was whisper the name of Jesus. I remember just saying, Jesus. Jesus. As I began to whisper the name of Jesus... I felt like all of a sudden I was kind of able to move and breathe a little bit better and began to say Jesus more. And I began saying out loud, the name of Jesus, over and over. And I began to get a sense, and I, I really think this I felt like I was in a battle. I felt like there was a kind of like a war going on. I couldn't describe it. It was new to me, but I'm like, I feel like I'm in this battle that somehow that's raging around me. And although I couldn't see anyone in my room, I knew. That some demonic force or Satan himself was literally in my house. So I got out of bed and I turned every light on in the house. <laughs> I mean, every light on in the house. And I literally started looking for the devil. you are laugh at me. I'm looking under the couch. I'm looking behind the couch. I'm like, someone's in my house. I can feel him. And I so I turned on all the lights. I started walking around. I couldn't obviously couldn't see anybody. But in my head and in my heart there was this battle raging. All of these thoughts were bombarding me. And they were, they were thoughts like literally from the outside coming in, like, "thought there, there is no God. You're a fool, Mark. This Christianity stuff you got hooked up with is just fake. It's a joke. You know, you're wasting your life doing this. People think you're nuts. A lot of them did. They think you're crazy. You know, you're going off the rails. All these lies and accusations that were pointed at my weak, my weakest areas of my life, and I knew I was in a battle for my soul. I really felt like that. I, I would, I, this question, this was the question that was, that was, everything was boiling down to. Are, am I really going to serve Jesus? And then it was that real. Am I really going to serve Jesus? Am I all in, or am I not all in? So I did something, that. No one ever told me you're supposed to do. I started talking back to the devil. I couldn't see him. I started telling him to the air. I'm all in. In fact, I went a little further than that. I went in the kitchen. I got two chairs. I set one chair down in the living room. I set the other chair down facing it. I sat in the chair and I started talking to the empty chair. Because their presence was so real. It was as if one of you were in the room with me. So imagine this: a twenty-some-year-old guy sitting in his in his underwear, probably in the middle of his living room with all the lights on at eleven o'clock at night, or midnight, or one, whatever it was, with two chairs, and I'm I'm talking to an empty chair. And I, I, I'm 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 just telling this chair. I put it in the middle of the room, and I'm acting like the devil sitting there. And as the thoughts and the lies and the accusations kept coming at me, I just Remember, I kept coming to this point saying, yeah, yeah, maybe that's true, maybe that's true, but I'm going to serve Jesus. But I'm going to serve Jesus. And finally, I remember saying, I can't remember the exact words, but it was something like this. I remember saying to that empty chair, no matter what devil, if I'm seen as a fool, if I lose everything, if it costs me my life, devil, I'm going to serve Jesus every day of my life until I die. And I felt like I was literally, I, I felt like I was being pulled down into kind of like a pit. And I just finally, it was, as I find, I, it was almost like just saying, but here's the deal, devil. No matter what. You can kill me. I'm going to serve Jesus. And when I came to that point, boom. It was gone. The sense of his presence was gone. So I stood up, took the chairs up, <laughs> put them back at the kitchen table, Turned off all the lights and went back to bed. The story doesn't end there. So I go back to bed. Gary, sometime in the middle of the night, comes home. The next morning, um, we wake up. I don't remember the details of the day, but we're both up. It's kind of in the morning, and Gary said, "I got to ask you a question." And you could tell he's kind of like, "You're gonna think I'm weird." I'm like what? He said. He said, I come home to this place every night in the middle of the night, pitch dark, it doesn't bother me in the slightest bit. He said, last night I came in, and we lived in a four-family, and you opened up a main door, and there was a big steps going downstairs to where the washers and dryers were, and we had the apartment on the left door, so the apartment on the right, right here, and as I recall, you went up some stairs, and then there was two apartments right above us, above those two. But there was a big, dark staircase right there. And he said, I opened up the door, I stepped into the house on this little landing, and he's just going to turn left and go into our, to our apartment door and lock that. And he said, there was the most incredible sense of evil I've ever experienced in my life. He said, I was petrified. He said, I was afraid that there was something down the stairs that was going to come get me. He goes, it was this incredible sense of evil, and I fumbled for my keys, and I opened the door of our apartment, I closed the door and he said, as soon as I came into our apartment, it was gone. He goes, what in the world do you think ha- What was that? He, and he said this, I remember, he said, did something go on here last night? Well, I said, well, you might think I'm kind of weird, but let me tell you what went on here last night. So, the reason I bring up the point of, the, of Gary there is to say, I can make up all the stories in the world. You can say, oh, yeah, yeah. Or, Mark, you're just weird. You had a bad dream or you're emotionally unstable and this happened to you and it really wasn't real. Any any kind of thing you can come up with and saying, it's a bunch of nonsense that didn't really happen um, like that at all. You imagined it. You have a vivid imagination, Mark. You make it all up. I could make it all up and I could even conc- maybe convince myself, oh, it was just a bad dream. It didn't really happen that way. But my roommate comes walking in hours later. And experiences it. And says, what in the world went on in this apartment last night? This is what the next piece of the armor of God is about. That we're going to look at in a moment. About how we battle the enemy. How we stand firm when he is throwing everything that he has at us in an attempt to discourage us and to derail us in our walk with Jesus, and ultimately get us to say, it's nonsense, it's not worth it, it's not real, and I give up. I throw in the towel, I walk away. Let's look at what Paul says when he's dealing with this. Grab your Bible, open to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 16. We'll start back a little bit earlier in case you've not been with us to kind of put it in context. He's talking about what God has given us to stand firm. Verse 13, he says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And we've looked at all of those. And if you want, you can go to our website and get the podcast and listen to all of those. In verse 16, And in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. What's Paul talking about here? Paul was showing us here that the devil attacks, showing us what they look like, what the devil's attacks in our life look like, and how we can triumph in the time of attack. Look how he describes the attack from Satan in this situation, very much like I experienced in my apartment that night. He says the attacks are like flaming arrows being shot at you. So imagine that Paul's using imagery of warfare to try to describe how the enemy would come against us. And he says his attacks against us are like flaming arrows that are shot at you. And there's a couple things I think that that really speaks to us about what the attack is like. First of all, I think as a flaming arrow, um, got any archers in here? I'm one. It's a specific and a pointed attack. You know, when you shoot an arrow, you got one arrow. You know, you can have a volley. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But, but they're specific and they're pointed. And that's what I experienced that night. That he was attacking things that were at the core of my insecurities. At the core of who I was. And who I, and who I am. They're specific and they're pointed attacks. But they're also as arrows that can come in a flurry. One after another, after another, after another. Picture in your mind some war movie about an ancient Roman battle where there's just thousands and thousands of people on one side and thousands and thousands on the other. And the archers, you know, the archers are sitting with their longbows. They light them. They're all holding them back. you all seen the movies, right? And they say, fire. And they shoot a volley of 10,000 arrows up in the air. Thousands of archers with arrows set aflame hurled at you. That's how the enemy fights. That's what I experienced that night in my, in my apartment. Assault after assault, hitting at the core of my fears and my weaknesses. Lies. That's what he's hurling at you. Lies. Accusations. We've learned about that in our first weeks. That's his method. Remember, the devil means, his, the very word devil means accuser. So he accuses and he lies to you and he stirs things up in your heart, in your spirit. Lies. You're not going to make it. It's a lie. There is no God. It's a lie, but it's a, it's a targeted arrow piercing at your heart. Nobody cares about you. You sit in a church service surrounded by people and you walk away and the thought comes and says nobody cares about you. Even though everything we do says we're people who care. How can you walk out with that idea in your mind? It's an assault from the devil. It's a specific targeted assault, and he keeps them coming and coming at your absolute point of your most vulnerable weaknesses. They're lies. The lie says you're a fool to serve Jesus. You will never amount to anything if you're going to serve Jesus. Oh yeah, you feel a call to go into vocational ministry. You'll be a pauper and you'll be a fool if you do it your whole life, if you serve Jesus like that. Lies. Lies that say this, you can't be forgiven. Anybody else could be forgiven. But what you did is too bad. You can't be forgiven. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And the enemy targets them at your specific areas of weakness and vulnerability. And he keeps them coming and coming and coming. And you know what I mean. You're lying in bed. You maybe had a good day. And the voices come. Reminding you of every failure in your life. Pointing out every area of weakness. Talking about every fear that you could have. Telling you there is no hope. His attacks are like flaming arrows in your soul. That's what Paul says. So what does Paul say we should do to resist? the flaming arrows that the enemy's shooting at us. He's shooting and he's shooting. What do I do to stand up? He doesn't say I, should, I can grab them and just stand and take them. It's not what he tells us to do. What's he tell us to do? Take up the shield of faith. I'll explain what that means. There's a couple dimensions to it. First thing that we need to notice here is that and I think this is super important. Matter of fact, what I'm going to say now I think is the main reason people fail under the attack of the enemy. It's this. He says, take up the shield of faith. In other words, there is something that we need to do. This isn't passive. My night in, that home, in, my, in, my, in my apartment, it wasn't passive. I got up, I put a couple of chairs together. I started, I started saying, it ain't going to happen, devil. It wasn't passive. We take up or we pick up the shield In other words, it's something that we can pick up, and it's something that we could choose to put down or leave down. It's something that can be available to us, but that we can choose to not pick it up. We have to make a decision, a conscious decision, to pick it up, to take it up. This defensive weapon that we can use against the evil one. It's not automatic. And that's what you need to hear. It's not automatic. I must do something. And that's why I say this is the area that I think most people fail in. Because the area I fail in the most is knowing what to do and choosing not to do it. Generally because I'm down, and he's kicking me when I'm down. He's stabbing me in my weakest point and I just you just get tired and you want to give up. But this is saying there's something that we must do in these situations. We need to pick something up. So what is the it that we must pick up? What is the it that we must do? He says pick up, take up, what? Something specific. The shield of faith. We take up this, and I'm going to explain it. We take up this piece of armor that Paul likens to a Roman shield. Now I want you to think of Roman shield. Don't think of, when the Roman shield of this time was not this little tiny round thing you think of, you know? The Roman shield, think again, Roman shield. Movies you see, and the Romans are marching. remember what their shields look like? They're about two feet wide and four feet tall. and they, they, would, they would come in some of the movies you see they'd come, and they all put their shields down, and other guys put their shields up, and literally the volley of arrows come at them, and what happens? They stick in the shields. It 's almost like a turtle shell around the people. that's the kind of shield he's talking about. It's a shield that a soldier could literally hide behind when the enemy's volley of arrows was released at the person who was being shot at. Paul says what? Take up this kind of shield and stand behind it. So the devil's attacks. Look what he says. The devil's, did he say the devil's going to stop attacking you? No. It says the devil's attacks will be what? Extinguished. They be, they'll lose their fire. They will lose their power. They will lose their effect. You stand behind you, hide behind the shield... And the arrows hit the shield of faith and they're extinguished or they lose their ability to cause you harm. So what is this thing that we shield, that we pick up and we stand behind? He says it's our faith. Now some of you could say, well, what, what's that mean? Let me explain it. What are we picking up? Because it's a lot more to it than simply believing. You say, so I'm just, if I just work up enough faith, enough trust, somehow I will make... No, it's not what he's talking about here. The shield of faith he's talking about here is, is, is active. It's not just passive believing. Faith here means, and get this, it means the ability to apply quickly what we believe. So it's what we believe in action. Faith means the ability to apply quickly what we believe in order to repel everything the devil does or attempts to do to us. It's applying what I believe. It's standing behind what I know to be truth. Faith is not merely an intellectual belief or a a theology or a theory. It includes what you believe. But faith never stops at mere intellectual assent or belief. Faith is always practical. It always does something. Faith applies Truth. That's why in the book of James, James, a half brother of Jesus, writes this. Faith without works is what? Dead. Faith has application. Matter of fact, get ready because I got the graphics. The next book we're looking at is the book of James. And so we're starting that in about a month. So, uh, it's going to be faith that works is what we're looking at. Because faith without works is dead. There is always an element of activity. In faith, So faith in this situation, in the shield of faith, means a quick application of what we believe as an answer to everything the devil hurls at us. A quick application of what we believe as an answer or a defense against to everything that the devil hurls at us. This is how it's a shield. When the devil hurls a lie at you, here's what you do. You raise up and hide behind what you know to be true as a defense. Remember, these are defensive weapons. That's how the Apostle Paul describes it. Get this idea out of your head, this this wacky, goofy, ultra-charismatic nonsense that says you go looking for devils and fight against them. The Bible never says that. matter of fact, it calls people foolish who do that. It says even angels don't do that. It says it, it chastises people who are being who are. It says reviling angelic beings and don't know what they're doing. Paul says, you know how you fight. You got this great big awesome shield. The devil's throwing volleys of, of attacks at you, pointed attacks at your very core, at the things that you're most, even that no one else knows that you're the most insecure about. And you stand behind the shield, the shield of faith. A quick application of what we believe." as an answer to everything that the devil hurls at us. This is how it's a shield. When the devil hurls a lie at you, you raise up what you know to be true, and we're going to talk about that, as your defense. Now here's the important part. You raise up what you know to be true about God and His truth. That's the time to say, I, what I know is true is that one and one equals two. That's not very effective against the assaulted. It might be true, but it's not the kind of truth we're talking about. We raise up what we know to be true about God and His truth. This is all about faith in God. It's not some psycho babble about stirring up faith in faith. If I just believe enough, it'll happen. Or trying to convince yourself to just trust. No, it's faith in someone. It's faith in God who created the heavens and the earth. It's faith in God who came as a person to reveal Himself and to take upon Himself the punishment for our sins. It's faith in the God who was there, who is here, and always will be with us. It's faith in God, who He is, and faith in what He says, because what He says has proven to be true. Faith always points to God. That's the faith you're saying about. Faith always points to God to God. Let me give you an example. You say, oh, how does that work? Let me give you an example from Scripture. Grab your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter eight. An example in Scripture of how this how this works. This is a section here coming from it's a it's a retelling of the story from the Old Testament about one of the patriarchs, the first one, Abraham, who God choose chose to become make him into a great mighty nation um, so that he could bring through that line. He could show to the world what it's like to walk with him. That's why he created a nation and said, I'm going to show what happens when the people will walk with me and also shows what happens when they reject him, how God will continually go after them. And out of that nation, he would raise up the Messiah. So Jesus comes out of the line of Abraham. So that's what we see. God, the story about Abraham is God has promised to give him a son that would carry on his family name and become a mighty nation, right? That was the promise God had given but things weren't looking so good for Abraham and his wife Sarah, were they? They both got really, really old, and we'll see that in a minute and they were too old to have tr- children. And what began to happen doesn't say this, but we know what happens, because it's how it works. the accuser, the devil, begins to whisper in their ears, "This promise of God's never going to happen." Uh, so guess what, Abraham, why don't you take matters into your own hands? And for a while, he takes matters into his own hands. He said, well, I can't have children through my wife, so I'll have children through my wife's uh, maid servant. so he has children through other ladies, but that's not what God's promise was, so that you and your wife are going to have, uh, have children. So, so for a while, he kind of strays and listens to the lies of the devil, and the devil's pointed assaults are being affected, but somewhere along the line, Abraham takes a stand. That's what Romans 8 is talking about. He takes a stand. And he picks up a shield of faith and he applied what he knew to be true about God and God's promise and the situation in the face of the lying devil. Let's look at Romans. I said Romans 8. I mean, Romans chapter 4. Flip back a couple pages. Romans chapter 4. Starting in verse 18. Let's read the story. You there? Listen to how it says, in hope. Against hope. I like that. In hope against hope. In other words, it seems kind of hopeless. He believed. So that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So God had given him a promise. And here's a promise. So shall your descendants be. Verse 19. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Saying she can't have kids anymore. Verse 20. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able to perform friends This is how we stand behind this shield of faith. Being fully assured because of who we're trusting. And remember, if I make you a promise, I might not keep it. There have been times I've promised my wife and my kids things that either because of neglect or just circumstances, I couldn't keep it. But here's the deal. Being fully assured that what God had promised, when God makes a promise, He keeps His promises, He was able to perform. God would perform it. Verse 24, 22. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. What's going on here? Abraham's faith pointed to God. He's in a circumstance. The devil's hurling arrows at him. He hides behind the shield of faith. And he says, here's what I know. God made me a promise. God, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I'm 100 year old, years old. My wife's 90. We can't have babies. It's impossible. God promised we'd have babies. Makes no sense. But here's what I know: God said it's going to happen, and it says He stands upon that. What is, in other words, I'm saying is He lifted it up against the ongoing onslaught of attacks from the evil one. Abraham's faith pointed to God. God had made a promise, and Abraham knew he could trust. He had no idea how God could keep it. He just knew God had always and would always keep His promises. Friends, faith points to the promises of God. The shield of faith points to the promises of God. Think of it this way. If it is a shield, your shield looks a little different than a Roman one. Your shield's got a point on the top. And you pick that thing up and it points to the Father of the promises. Faith points points to the promises of God there are times that you just need to remind the devil of what God has promised for his children that's what I did that night in my apartment, I was just reminding the devil of what God had told me, I didn't know that's what I was doing but I somehow instinctively led by the Holy Spirit probably knew that this was the way to fight that kind of a battle you need to stand upon the promises of God you need to say them out loud I believe that I mean, you need to say it out loud, you need to speak it out loud, You need to pick them up and stand behind them. You need to recall all the times that God was there for you in the past. How He has provided and, and, and forgiven you and rescued you and called you by name and helped you hold those out in front of you like a shield, telling the devil the truth that God will never leave you, that your God will never forsake you. Friend, God has given us wonderful promises in His Word. Learn them so that you can pick them up like a shield when the arrows are flying at you. When that voice in your head says a lie, you tell the devil the truth. Now, in your bulletin, there's a little handout today. Did I ask you to make a slide of that? I can't remember if I did. I did. looks a little different than yours. Same information. I'm giving this to you so you can say, some sometimes in my life, here's how the devil's assaulting me. How do I stand on God's truth in the matter? And so I'm going to... On mine, I wrote a little different. That one says, you say and God says. And on both mine, and you say, I wrote, the devil says to me and I believe. Okay? So the devil says to me and I believe. But God says something contrary. So the devil says... And if I don't pick up a shield of faith, I believe a lie. If I believe a lie, I go down the wrong path. And I'm vulnerable. And then the attacks work. So he says one thing. I say, now look at some of these. The devil says you're stupid. You know what? You're dumb. You don't got it. You can't figure it out. But God says something different. He says, I'll direct your steps. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He'll make your path straight. I've stood on that verse so many times in my life when the devil was accusing me and saying, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know where, how to get there. You can't fix this church. You can't fix that situation. And I said, I don't have to. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and not lean on my own understanding. My own understanding gets me in trouble. I'm going to lean on God's truth. And He's going to show me how to get through. Now Acknowledge Him in all my ways and He's going to make my path straight. When the devil opens up his big yap, and tells me I can't and I don't know what to do. I say, you're, maybe you're right, but God does. Let me stand behind this shield, buckle, And I know I can trust God. He's going to take care of me. You say, I'm too wore out. I'm too tired. The devil says, you're exhausted. You can't make it. God says, you know what? I'll give you rest. Matthew 11:28 and 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and lean upon me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when the devil lies to you and says, God's putting this burden on your back. God's mad at you. You screwed up. He'll never forgive you again. You say, oh, wait a minute. Let me remind you of the truth, oh, Mr. Devil, that God tells me to come to him. And he did not say just, just only certain people. He says, all who are weary and heavy laden. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. And you can take His light burden upon you because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. The devil looks at your life and sees situations going on. He goes, ah, I know it. Mark thinks it's an impossible situation. It can never work out. This time is no hope. It's doomed. That situation can't happen. That person can't be saved. That, minute, that need can't be met. And the Lord reminds us that all things are possible. Luke eighteen twenty seven. All things, are, things that are impossible with people are possible with God. All things are possible with God. How about this one? Some of you will walk out of church today and you will say, nobody loves me. You're sitting here in the midst of people who love you. And you will say, nobody loves me. Suzanne, you said it this morning. John 3.16, God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. The list goes on and on. How about you know what? What I did, Pastor Mark, is just too bad. I can't forgive myself. It's impossible. What does God say? He said, I forgive you. Romans 8 1 Therefore now not therefore therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God doesn't condemn you. He forgives you. On and on and on it goes. You say, I'm not able. God says, He's able. You say, I can't go on. God says, my grace is sufficient. You say, I can't do it. God says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You say, I can't manage. God says, I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. You say, but I'm afraid. God says, I've not given you a spirit of fear. You say, I feel all alone. And God says, I will never leave you alone. I will never desert you. I will never forsake you. God will never leave you alone. So friends, here's my question. Which one of these promises do you need to pick up today and stand behind? Which one of them do you need to pick up like a shield and stand behind and shout it out to the devil and tell them this is the truth of the situation, I might not feel it. I could be like Abraham. I don't know how it's possible. I don't know how, how in the world this is... It is impossible. But all things are possible with God. You need to pick that thing up and you need to hold it like a shield in front of you and you need to tell the devil the truth and stop letting him crush you down and defeat you. That is how you take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Church, we're going to end today by giving you a chance to stand behind one of God's promises. Maybe one from that sheet I gave you. One, maybe another one God's reminding you, of you, that reminding you of. You know what the devil is shouting at you. You know the voice. You know the area. Some of you have something inside your heart. And I just feel this one. You have something that you say can't be forgiven. You put on a smile, I'm good, I'm great, everything's wonderful, but inside you say, that can't be forgiven. God says, it's nothing for him to forgive it. But what happens is the devil lies to you and says, oh, it didn't really work. I'm telling you, based on the truth of God, when you come to God and ask for forgiveness, it's done, it's forgiven, no condemnation anymore. It might be something like that, it might be something different. You need to tell the devil to keep his big mouth shut and tell him God's truth about you and your family. That's what you need to do today. So I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I'm going to invite the worship team to come. And you play whatever you want to play. But as we play something, as the worship team ministers, I'm going to invite you to just stand behind the promises of God. So let me pray. So Father, we thank You today that You are a good, good Father. And that, Lord, Your Word is full of promises to us. Promises that say that although I can't, God can. That say, although the devil the devil's whispering in my ear, say I'm a failure. You say it, we're successes. You say the devil says you can't be forgiven. You say you are forgiven. All these promises that the devil tries to twist, the devil tries to lie about, You, Lord, tell us the truth. And I pray today, God, that for every person in this place, you would allow us, you would teach us, you would show us today how to lift up that shield of faith and stand behind your truth. So, congregation, I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning as the worship team is about ready to play. And as they begin to sing and worship, I'm going to invite you, and you can come forward, you can stay in your seat. But here's what I want you to do you're going to say, I can't do that. So maybe what I'm going to tell you to do. I can't say it out loud. I'm going to tell you. When you Here's the truth of spiritual warfare. When you expose something to the light, it, it loses its power over you. One of the ways you expose the light is to speak it out loud. Another way is to confess it to another person. It loses its power on you.